Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Paul, who was in Athens, and he was preaching on the Areopagus. He was preaching on Mars Hill. Mars Hill is where the Greeks would gather to discuss some new doctrine. Mars Hill was a place where people would gather to discuss new things. And Paul thought, what a great place to go. Go where people are. Go where, where thinkers are. And so Paul goes to Mars Hill. He goes to the Areopagus. He shares the gospel. A couple of two people got saved and maybe a few others, Dionysius and Demarius, the Bible tells us. After Paul left Athens, he went to the city of Corinth. Corinth is 50 miles from Athens. When Paul finished, listen, when he finished his ministry in Corinth, he went then on to Ephesus. When he went to Ephesus, he traveled with his buddies, the husband and wife team, tent makers, Priscilla and Aquila, you remember. When they got into Athens with Priscilla and Aquila, Paul did, he went on to Caesarea and he left, pardon me, Ephesus. He left Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. Paul left and went on to Caesarea. And then he went up to Jerusalem and then he headed north. Look at verse 22 in Acts chapter 18. Then he went on to his home church in verse 22 in Antioch. Chapter 18, verse 23, listen, is the beginning of Paul's third missionary journey. Paul took three missionary journeys. This is his third missionary journey, beginning in chapter 18, verse 23, his third missionary trip. He leaves Antioch and visits the Galatian churches, and then he heads to Ephesus. While in Ephesus, they met a young man by the name of Apollos. Were you with us? Apollos, who was a Greek, or pardon me, he was actually a Jew. He was eloquent. He was charismatic. He was mighty in the scriptures, the Bible tells us. The Bible says that he was, Apollos, fervent in spirit. I like that phrase, fervent in spirit, because it literally means to boil in the spirit. Apollos was boiling in the spirit. I think this is the first mention. This is what they, where they get, you know, being fired up for Jesus. I think that's where they get this from. The first mention of it is with Apollos. He was boiling in the spirit. He was bubbling over with enthusiasm. I like that about Apollos. And I like that about Christians, period. I don't know why, but, you know, some Christians are not bubbling over with enthusiasm, you ever meet Christians like that? 
and, 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 and they're so not joyous. And you and me Christians, you're like, how you doing? Well, I'm fine. Well, how's things going with you and Jesus? Fine. It look like they've been baptized in pickle juice or something, you know? Like, well, well. It's like, man, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm joyous in the Lord, and I understand the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I understand that. It's important to be joyous in the Lord. We have a lot to be joyous about, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. Somebody say amen, please. Y'all looking at me like, we do? <laughs> or what? We, we, have, we have a lot to be joyous about. We have a lot to be joyous about. Amen? But it is a wonderful thing. And I get the impression that Apollos was like that. He was boiling in the spirit. He was joyful in the spirit. He had a sense of enthusiasm uh, uh, about him. And, and, and the interesting thing is he didn't know much about the Bible. Uh, we talked about it last week. He didn't know much about the Bible. He's in the synagogue. He's a new Christian. He's in the synagogue sharing what he did know about the Bible. And Priscilla and Aquila, they're standing in the background. They listen at him sharing and they realize that he's just a little bit off. And they say, hey, Apollos, they say, you know, I've been trying to think of a nickname for him all day, but I really can't come up with it. We can call him Appy and whatever. Anyway, and, and, and they say, hey, come here. And they say, and they shared with him, the Bible says, the scriptures more perfectly. And I like that because they took him aside, the scripture says. Saints, listen, if you want to correct someone, don't do it publicly and don't embarrass them. Take him aside. That's what Priscilla and Aquila did. They took him aside and they began to share the things. And we know that Paul, Apollos, this is the same guy who in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 went on to be mightily used by God because he went on to get a position of leadership and establish himself in leadership there in the church at Corinth. Don't you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing them a letter and it's a corrective epistle because this church was crazy in Corinthian, in the first, first church in Corinth. And, and, and Paul wrote him a letter and because the people were dividing and they had factions and divisions. And some were saying, I'm of Paul. And some were saying, I'm of Cephas. And some were saying, I am of Apollos. So this is the same Apollos. We know that this guy became a new Christian and became excited about the Lord, sharing about the Lord. And then he goes on to be a part of the church there in Corinth. We talked about that last week, and that's where we left off this morning. In Acts chapter 19, St. Paul leaves Corinth and he goes to the big, superstitious, idolatrous Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, we pick up our study this morning in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, notice, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding saints, underline this in your neighbor's Bible, finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said to him, into John's baptism. And he, Paul, said to them, 
John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this in verse 5, they were baptized in the name of whose saints? The Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, note this, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Would you circle that, highlight it, remember it? We'll come back to it. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. And in verse seven, that happened to about 12 men in all. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Apollos sails to Corinth and Paul goes back to Ephesus. And note this. He found some disciples at Ephesus. When Paul found these disciples, he went up to them and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, first things first, give me a second to set this up. You got to understand when Paul goes into a town, when Paul goes into a city, he would then go into the synagogue. And when Paul got into a synagogue in a town in a city, Paul wouldn't go to the the people of that church and ask them what denomination were they. He wouldn't walk in and say, hey, are you guys Methodists? Are you guys Baptists? Are you Pentecostals? Maybe Baptocostals, maybe Calvary Chapel. And he didn't do that. When Paul went in town and when Paul found a group of believers, the first thing he would do is begin to ask them a series of questions theologically, if you will. He would ask, what do you believe in Jesus or about Jesus? Or do you even believe in Jesus? And they would say yes. And then he would say, well, you know, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about this? And what do you believe about that? These questions were very important because you got to remember, now give me your attention. You got to remember that this is the first century church. This is a baby church. This is a new church. And because it's a baby new church, the idea, the propensity for heresy to infiltrate the church and destroy the foundation of the church was very likely. You see, there were these guys where you hear Wednesday night for the movie, The Da Vinci Delusion. It was awesome, wasn't it? And, and, and remember the guy talked a lot about the Gnostics during the first, second, third, fourth century, the Gnostics? Well, there were these men known as the Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, the Gnostics. And these guys would come into a church. They would come into a body of believers just like this, and they would start to infiltrate and Just like Jesus said, the wolves are going to rise up from among you. They might even come and join the church. The pastor say, well, the doors of the church are open. You can come on down and join the church. And these Gnostics who didn't even believe in Jesus. Not like we know the Bible says to believe in Jesus. And they would join the church. And then they would begin to infect and to infiltrate the church. And how important was it for Paul to come into an area to find out about that body of believers? I tell you all that to tell you this. It is no strange thing for Paul to get into Ephesus and go up to these disciples, obviously believers, disciples, but to ask them, did you receive the spirit when you believed? 
Paul would then go and ask questions. So he comes to Ephesus and he asked them a question. Now, if you're reading the King James Version, I want to point out that it reads more, have you received the Holy Spirit, watch this, since you believed. The King Jimmy says that, since you believed. The new King Jimmy or the NAS or the nearly inspired version, that's the NIV, we forgive you. And, and says this, what I'm reading here. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? King James, now listen, saints. King James says, did you, re- did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? And the new King James NAS NIV says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Scholars say this. Scholars say that the Greek grammar will support either. The Greek grammar will support either. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, which would mean you received the Spirit at the time you were born again? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed, which would mean they were believers, but they hadn't received the fullness of the Spirit? They were believers. They were born again. See, you got to understand something. When you become a Christian, when you make a confession for Christ, when you say, Lord, I repent of my sin, forgive me, and come into my life, at that moment, you are born again. You are saved. If you understand that, say amen. You are born again. You are a Christian. And don't add anything to salvation. I'm traveling home on Tuesday, coming from a conference. I'm flying out of Philadelphia, get on a flight and sit next to, uh, I'm in the middle seat, which I hate the middle seat. But thank God I wasn't in the middle, in the middle seat between two really big guys, which has happened to me before. And I'm sitting in, the, I sit down and you know, speak to the person on the left, speak to the person on the right and you know, I got to talking with this one gentleman. They take off and everything's good. And we got to talking and, 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 and I, I don't know how we started talking about the, the Bible and about Jesus. <laughs> I, I have no, I have no, how that came up. And so, we, you know, we're, we're talking about some things and, and this guy, he was a lovely old guy. Beautiful. I mean, he was just a nice guy, gentle guy. So we got to talking and he asked me, he said, so what do you think about, you know, the Bible says this and, you know, the Bible says that, you know, you need to confess Christ as your Lord and your Savior and be baptized. And that's what makes you saved. He said, confess Christ and be baptized. And that's what makes you saved. I said, was that what you believe? Is that what your your, your church teaches? Yes, you need to be you need to confess Christ and be baptized. I said to him, I said, well, you know, I don't really understand the Bible to be saying that. I think, you know, I, you know, I've read the Bible a little bit and I, um, and I said, you know, I I think the Bible says something more like, you know, that we need to receive Christ when we confess him as our Lord and Savior. At that time, we are born again. And then we should go on as a commandment from Jesus, not a suggestion, a commandment from Jesus to go and be baptized. But 
sir, what was your name again? And oh yeah, okay. But you know, if if a person receives Christ and and they don't have an opportunity to be baptized, then I believe that they are truly saved and and that they are born again and that they that they're. And he's looking at me and he's he says so 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 what what do you do for a living? I said, well, um, I teach. He says, teach what? I said, the Bible. He goes, that explains it, you know. And we're talking back and forth. And of course, you know, I'm on an airplane and I've got a captive audience. So I'm trying to talk loud, you know. I'm like, and you need to receive Jesus. He died. His blood was shed for the sins of the world. For God so loved the world. And the people on my left are looking crazy. And a lady sitting next to me, she's like, please get me off this plane. Jesus freaks to my right. And she, you know, she, and we're talking and whatever. But I tried to help him understand that, listen, you can't add anything to salvation. Somebody say amen. You can't add anything to salvation. No good works, nothing. Not baptism, nothing. I said to the gentleman, I said, take the thief on the cross, for example. The man is hanging there on the cross. He looks over at Jesus. Jesus is different than any guy he's ever seen hanging on the cross because he's up there hanging, asking God to forgive folks who put him up there. And what a witness and what a testimony it was for him as he's hanging there. He looks over at Jesus and he believes. And he says, Jesus, he says, when you get to paradise, he said, remember me. Remember the thief on the cross? Y'all shake your heads. Yeah, you remember him? He said, Jesus, remember me when you get to paradise. And Jesus said to him, what? Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus did not say, I explained to the man. Jesus did not say, hey, get down from the cross, go get baptized, and then get back up here and you're saved. I said, so what do you do with that, that text there, sir? What do you do with that text there? He says, well, um, well, um, I don't know. All I know is you got to be saved too. And then he stopped talking. I said, you know, we can't add anything. When you become a believer, at the moment that you become a believer, you are filled with his spirit and you're a disciple. You are a believer. So it appears in our text that, that we're talking about now these disciples. It appears, because this is why I had you underline it. Look at verse 19 again. Let me look at it again. And finding some disciples. It appears that we're talking about disciples who were believers, but something was missing. Or something, watch this, was lacking in their Christian experience. Because they were disciples. And Paul then asked them, have you received the spirit? Now, saints, I believe, give me your attention. I believe we are talking about the all important, all controversial topic of being baptized in the spirit, the baptism of the spirit. You know, people, it's controversial. People don't even like to talk about it anymore nowadays because it's so controversial. And people are all over the place as it relates to this particular topic of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are some people who say there is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people say every person is equally and immediately empowered by the Spirit when you become a Christian and there's no more. And then some people say, well, you know, forget all that Bible stuff. Let's just flow in the Spirit. And some people say, don't worry about it. Well, let's just stick to the word. Let's not worry about it. Let's stick to the word. Well, that's the position I agree with. Let's not worry about it. Let's stick to the word. And the word, listen, has a lot to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it's John who said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, John says, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with what, saints? The Holy Spirit and fire. Also, you might want to look at Luke chapter 3, verse 16. On another occasion, John the Baptist said, I do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And don't you remember in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, but you shall receive power, dunamos, dynamite, TNT, power, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus talked about this experience about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then as you search through history and you search through, through time, you see some of the greatest theologians of all time talked about a subsequent, are you listening, talked about a subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit. In 1881, a famous evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody said this, a man may be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized by the Holy Spirit. At regeneration, there's an impartation of life and the one who receives it is saved. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's an impartation of power and the one who receives it is fitted for service. In 1910, R.A. Torrey said this, it is evident that it is one thing to be born again by the Holy Spirit through the word. It is something quite distinct and additional to it to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. A book. Don't think we have more in the bookstore now. Probably sold out the first and second service. But a book. They found the secret. Oh, you might want to write that down. Pick it up. It's a good read. It's an easy read. And it's a book about men who have had this subsequent experience. A.W. Tozer, Hudson Taylor, Oswald Chambers, for example. All of these men, each one of these guys talks about after years of Christian ministry, they have had a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit that adds a whole different dimension and dynamic to their ministry. You might want to pick up that book. We see examples from the Bible where the Holy Spirit came after conversion. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, you remember the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. As Jesus had already breathed on them, don't you remember from the Gospels? Listen, in the Gospels, Jesus, the Bible says, breathed on them and they received the Spirit. After Jesus breathed on them and they received the Spirit, then Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait, tarry, until you receive power from on high. They received the Spirit. Are you listening? Say amen if you hear me. They received the Spirit. And then Jesus said, now go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 11, verse 15 through 17. Peter's talking about what happened at Cornelius' house. And Peter said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord. He said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, believers in Samaria, they are baptized and miracles are happening. 
But it isn't until the apostles come from Jerusalem and lay hands on them that they receive the filling of the spirit. Acts chapter nine. You know the story as Paul on the road to Damascus. He's headed toward Damascus to kill Christians. And remember, he saw a bright light. He fell to the earth and he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why are you trying to persecute me? He said, Saul, you, God said, Saul, it's, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then God told a man by the name of Ananias, you remember to go and pray for Paul, that he might receive his sight and be filled with the spirit. Listen, Paul's conversion happened on the road to Damascus. And then God told Ananias to go pray for him, lay hands on him, that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over in the scriptures, we discover that believers are saved at one point, and then at another point, there is a filling, there is an empowering, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. Now, you remember, listen to me close. I'm trying to move a little quicker. We did a CD teaching series on keeping the balance. You can pick it up in the bookstore, shameless plug. You can pick it up in the bookstore. And we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, in one topic, we dedicated to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you were here now, and if you weren't, I want you to take notes here because this is very, very important. If you were here, I talked to you and gave you the three different relationships that the Holy Spirit has with the believers. And particularly, I gave you three prepositions that are relative to the relationship of the Holy Spirit to the believer. Number one, para, we talked about that. If you're taking notes, P-A-R-A, para. And it means that the Holy Spirit comes alongside in the vicinity of and convicts you of your sin. Did you know? You can't even become a Christian unless the Holy Spirit's involved. Did you know? That's not you. You know, you don't decide that you want to get saved. Don't you know when you become a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit that comes in the vicinity of or alongside of you and says, hey, you need to get saved. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.